Four Tracks on SAFM. SAFM with John Carica. You've just joined us. I'm a cozy beaten wide dad to the final of the CAF Champions League. 1-0 on aggregate. That 1-0 last week was enough. It was goalless today. Al-Athli against Esperance Tunis at 9 o'clock today. And the Proteus 61 for the loss of 2. Uh, Bavum is there on 5. Update you on that as we get updates. Now, let's talk swimming for a little while. We're joined by ultra swimmer Sarah Ferguson. Says here she's taking on her toughest challenge yet. Imagine one of the toughest challenge ever, ever. Um, Sarah Ferguson, what are you going to be doing? Hi there. I'm going to be swimming from Durban to Cape Town next year. Durban to Cape Town. You know that you can just swim in a pool for 10 minutes and you can get out and have a little drink? Yeah, it's not, not as fun. <laughs> it's not as fun. <laughs> it's not as much to see in a pool. Why are you swimming from Durban to Cape Town, Sarah Ferguson? Um, something to create awareness against plastic in the ocean and to highlight how important it is to protect our beautiful coastline. Um, we've got an incredible, one of the most beautiful coastlines in the world, as well as one of the most treacherous and full of life coastlines. Um, mm. And yeah, I just really want to highlight how amazing it is, but also how important it is to protect it and keep it that way for the sake of our future generations. We've got a couple of the what are the marine park? What is what is the correct term for it? Is it like a, a game marine in the protected sea? areas. Yeah, we got some of them down that coast, but is it enough? Nothing's ever enough, unfortunately. Um, there's a big problem with marine protected areas in, in terms of managing them. Um, we are doing well in terms of getting um, getting a, a few of them um, sort of accredited or whatever the word is, but. Um, they're not. Um, we don't have enough manpower funds to sort of license them and keep them uh, to keep them monitored. Um, and so, mm-hmm. even though they're marine protected, they're not um, not often actually able to be licensed and monitored a- appropriately. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess like the Kruger Park. It's all very well saying you got a park, but if poachers come in all the time, what's the point? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same thing. All right. Now, the reason I could ask you this is because you're part of the Breathe Conservation. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Breathe is a nonprofit organization, and we we trying to inspire people to live deeply and tread lightly, and that means trying to encourage people to follow their passion and pursue their dreams, but in the process to, to be very aware of their consumer choices. So we do a lot of work into schools, education around um, conservation and plastic, particularly plastic in the ocean. Um, that's our focus area, but. We also do monthly reef cleanups here in Durban um, along Vecchi's Reef where we snorkel the reef and uh, clean up what we find in the reef and then gather data so that we can collect data to show what is being washed up um, right here on our own sort of coastline. Vecchi's Reef is a man-made reef um, along the harbour wall and uh, there's a beautiful, beautiful marine life and coral growing right there. But in amidst that, there's a lot of fishing line, a lot of plastic um, a lot of cloth that gets washed up there and uh, gets stuck in the coral and, and affects and starts to suffocate the marine life. So um, that's one of our projects as well. Um, a lot of education, uh, particularly around schools, and that's the focus for next year in the swim from Durban to Cape Town. Is It's not just swimming to Cape Town, but also doing a lot of work on the land in between uh, the different stages to try and create awareness in the schools and just to the general public on on how to change behavior and how important it is and why it is so important to change our behavior in terms of our consumer habits to protect our oceans. 
Before we get to the swim, I'm sure most people with the Netflix have seen Seaspiracy. When you watch that, if you've watched it, do you agree with that? It's, it has got a lot of criticism from obviously people that disagree with what the documentary has to say. Yeah, I mean, most of these documentaries are designed to shock. Um, it, it, it can be quite extremist where people who watch it are, are either going to say, I'm never going to eat fish or it's far yeah. too late, why must that change now? So that's kind of the, the tactic that they use is a sort of a shock tactic. Um, there's a lot of validity to it, but, you know, it's, it's, um, you can't do everything right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't just, mm. stopping eating fish isn't going to solve the problem. Um, you know, completely I was, I was... eliminating plastic from your consumer habits isn't going to change the world. But yeah. collectively, we can make a difference. And it's just starting to be a lot more aware and informed of where your food comes from, where your fish comes from, yeah. uh, where your clothes come from, how you buy your, your products, etc. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. But there is some truth in, in what they were portraying for sure. Yeah. I was thinking, uh, especially about the beginning of that movie, that he, he's talking about uh, not using straws and not using plastic and making sure if he was picking up plastic off the beach. And he said the more he was picking up plastic off the beach, he realized he was picking up netting. And when, when you're looking at, at veggies, as you were mentioning earlier, what sort of pollution are you seeing? We do pick up quite a lot of fishing line. Um, we're picking up a lot of cloth. Um, I think there's a lot of rituals that happen on our coastline here in Kuzmi-Natal. Um, and, and unfortunately, also a lot of drowning. So there's also a lot of that um, washing up. We see quite a lot of chip packets, um, a fair amount of um, like plastic, PET kind of plastic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it depends on, on the day, but uh, it's a, a variety for sure. All right, Sarah Ferguson, let's talk about the swim now. As you said, you're planning it for when? Next year, but you also say 2023. Yes, so I'm planning to start next year, March, um, and, and the plan is to get as close to or up to Muscle Bay by May um, next year. So then we, from, from May to December, it's the winter time, it's when the sardine run happens, it's when the great whites <laughs> particularly um, come and breed and do their nursing and, and things like that. So it's not a very wise time to be swimming our coastline in that period. It's also winter, the big swells come, it's pretty cold. Um, and so during those six months, the plan is to sort of recover and um, regain some weight that I would have lost to prepare for the final leg um, to Cape Town, which is obviously colder water, um, very volatile ocean. Um, and then in those six months to do a lot of education on land. Um, so right. it, it makes the whole project a whole year, but it gives us a lot more time to be more effective in the reach that we have and gain public participation and highlight also what other organizations are doing um, along our coast to try and protect our oceans. Okay, so you get to swim two coasts. One is called the Wild Coast, and the other one is the Cape of Storms. Just throwing it out there. Just, just, just <laughs> know what's coming. <laughs> will, will you be swimming with a team? Take us through the logistics of you're going to start off in Derbs and head south. Yeah, it's a, logistically is a huge um, amount of administration involved, which is why we're starting to plan it now already. Um, the plan is to swim from, yeah, from Durban and then head south. Um, the first sort of official stop will be in East London, but every day I'll be stopping at various points along the way, um, planning to swim from between Durban and East London, anything between 20 and 100 k a day. Um, we're going to try and... Sure 
try and use the current where we can. There's the Gullis current that flows down that coast, so we're going to try and use that to, to our advantage. Um, and yeah, so we'll be using a like a rubber duck um, as a support boat. We'll have my team on there, and I'll have a kayak next to me. Um, so basically, my crew consists of someone who paddles next to me, and then someone on the boat who's an observer and who feeds me, um, as well as a second paddler. Um, and then uh, sometimes I'll have someone come in and swim next to me to keep me company. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we'll be taking footage and, and having a photographer and media team as well. But um, yeah, every 30 minutes I, I stop, uh, trade water and I eat and drink um, before I carry on swimming just to keep me going and keep me fueled up. Um, and then once I've done my sort of mileage for the day, I'll come back into land, uh, have a have a sleep and then get get back up and, and go the next day. Oh. So we, we, we kind of, we're at the mercy of the weather and we, we, we try and pick the conditions to be in our favor. But obviously there are going to be days that we can't swim or days that I swim longer than planned or shorter than planned because of uh, so many variables. You with this AFAB? Uh, I'm John Kerrick. You're talking to Sarah Ferguson about her long swim, Durban down to Cape Town with a gap in the middle. Sarah, how far off the coast is the current? Can you swim close or do you have to go out a couple of kilometers? Yeah, so the, the main big heart of the current is about 20 to 30 kilometers out to sea. Um, and I won't be swimming in that the entire time, but we are going to try and um, swim in that to some of the time. Um, and the rest of the time, there's a smaller current that kind of is, is fairly close, um, between five and seven miles off the coastline. So we'll try and use that. The big thing is you can also get these Durban eddies or the Natal Pulse that they call, which kind of goes the opposite direction, and that's what we really need to try and avoid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sarah Ferguson, you're going to be swimming. You can't see the land. Tell us your swimming background and your, and your pedigree that's, that's led you to this. Um, so I've always loved the water. I mean, I used to compete. I swam for Natal and Western Province growing up as a pool swimmer. Um, my distance was a, like 200 meters backstroke, <laughs> nothing longer than that. Um, and I, I wasn't interested in anything longer than that. I, I'd get very bored at the thought of swimming more than 200 <laughs> meters, um, which is very ironic because now I do way more than that. Um, yeah, I retired from that, uh, traveled and um, and it was in my travels that I, I kind of fell in love with the ocean and and really decided I wanted to try and do something a little bit more meaningful with my talent of swimming and my love of water. Um, and sort of over a period of time and months um, came to do what I do now. Um, Lewis, too, is one of the huge inspirations to me into into why I do what I do as he swims for climate change. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of people that I look up to and I sort of um, admire in, in what they do. Um, and just trying to find my own voice in terms of, of what I do and why I do it, um, which has led me to to doing what I do now. The, the very first big kind of swim that I did um, was just local here in Durban. I swam from Oxlanga to Durban, which was a 20K swim. Um, after that, I was on my back for four days on my friend's couch. I couldn't get up and walk. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then from there, I did a swim in Hawaii. Um, I did the Molokai Channel um, from Molokai to Oahu called the Ka'iwi Channel, known as the Channel of Bones. Um, and that I d is part of one of Ocean 7 swims. There's seven major ocean swims that are, are recognized, the English Channel being one of them. Um, and I picked that swim particularly as my first sort of really major swim. It was 58.9 kilometers. Um, and I did it because that's kind of where I fell in love with the ocean was in Hawaii. And so 
um, went over there and and completed that channel. And after that, really realized how much I love doing those kind of challenges and and Mm. trying to create a platform. Um, So from there, it was trying to figure out, okay, so I can go to these beautiful exotic places and do these cool swims, but where is really going to highlight the issue of plastic pollution? Um, and that's where we kind of came up with um, Easter Island after doing some research. Um, and it's this tiny little island in the South Pacific, which has got the highest concentration of microplastic in the world. And so um, I thought that would be really fitting to really make a statement. No one had ever swum around the island. Um, so it, was a, it would be a world first. Um, and so, yeah, we, we set about preparing for that. Um, in, the, in the process of preparing, we did some swims up the north coast. Um, I did the Elephant Coast from Mozambique to Cozy Bay, which is 100 k's over six days. Um, and then as part of a, a trail called the Lucky Trail, which is actually happening right now in Durban, um, the walkers that walk along the coastline over five days, I decided to swim it um, a couple of years ago. So um, those are all in preparation for my swim around Easter Island, which I did in 2019. Um, and there I... I finished the swim being the first person in the world to do so and created a Guinness World Record. Um, and that was that really sort of launched my career as an open water swimmer. It got people noticing. We had we had the backing of Plastic Oceans International, which helped a lot. Um, John McCarthy is part of my team. He wrote a book about the swim, which we've got into a whole lot of schools throughout the country. Um, and we're trying to get that book into schools as their set with book. There is already a school in Joburg using it as their set book, set with book for grade nines. Um, and it's really just a short story around around my swim around East Island, and they're also busy making a documentary about that swim. So um, after that, it was kind of a season of recovering and trying to figure out what what next. And then COVID happened and lockdown happened, and mm. things changed. So yeah, so this is Cape Town Durban will be my next big swim after East Island. But um, I'm really excited about it because it's, it's local, it's very personal, it's very close to my heart, and I think. As South Africa, it's something that all South Africans can relate to. Um, Easter Island, you know, it's this faraway island. No one can really mm. kind of grasp what it means to swim around that island. But people understand that it's far to drive from Durban to Cape Town <laughs> to, to swim it. They can kind of realize how, how much of a challenge that will be. I've done that drive. It took me three days to do it. And yeah, it's a long way yeah, to t- drive. I did it recently too. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's all happening. How do we find out more about the swim that you're going to be doing? So you can follow any of our social media platforms. You can follow my personal one, Sarah Ferguson ZA, um, Breathe Ocean One with the number one, um, and then there'll be actually a specific one for this swim called One Ocean, mm. um, O N E Ocean, um, and that we will be launching in the next week or so. Um, yeah, the name of the swim or the the campaign is going to be called One Ocean because. We really, as an entire world, only have one ocean, and it's just to try and highlight how it's all interconnected and how much we need that to to survive and how important it is to protect it. I, I saw a fascinating map. I'm sure you've seen it as well. Somebody's made a map of what the world would look like for a fish. You know, so they've they've just got the oceans. You don't see any of the land masses. And it's suddenly you realize, as you say, it's all linked together. It's all one thing. You, you think of Pacific and Indian and they're meeting at a point. It's not. It's just one big thing of water. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Um, and, and over 70% of that 
provides the oxygen that we need to breathe. More than 70% of the, the world is made up of the ocean. So mm. when, you, when you break it down like that, you kind of realize how, how important it is and how big it is and how much we still don't really know about it. But that because it's only one body, like mass of water, what we throw in over here will wash up in a place like Easter Island. Um, mm. And they, you know, they don't even know who we are. So it's, it's, it's really quite powerful when you start to break it down like that. Just to wrap it up, you, you were there's a picture of you uh, focused on his article by Stephen Mon- Monotones. He's written here, and I think this is a lovely description, and I'm sure you can explain it to me, where tranquility replaces turbulence. There's the city life that we live, but when you're getting to the sea, when you do, you're doing your thing, it's this tranquility. Is that a good description? That's a beautiful description. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's so much noise in our world with cell phones and social media and smartwatches and traffic and radio and all these things, music, um, and you get into the ocean and, and there's nothing but the noise of the water. And if you're lucky, you can hear whales singing their song and dolphins chattering away. But it's really just you're surrounded in this mass of, of beautiful blue ocean um, and it's just, just this freedom and, and this escape from like the bustling city. Um, it's a, I suppose the closest analogy to land would be like going to somewhere like the Kruger Park or the Amazon Forest and just being surrounded with just nature, nature sounds and not like human noises. And sharks, Sarah Ferguson. And yes, sharks. and sharks, but that's a treat. It's a privilege if I get to see one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I was, again, you'll correct me because somebody was saying, uh, I can't remember. I think uh, I can't remember what the ridiculous thing is. Oh, more people die, more people die of being bitten in New York City than people die of shark bites in the world. Yeah, there's a there's, lot of a crazy fact. facts like that. People, more people die from a toaster than be, or a coconut falling on their head than, than shark attacks. Um, it it really is. A, there's such a, a bad rap for for sharks and. That's also one of the things we try and highlight when we do these swims is, is just to educate people about sharks and the behavior. I've learned so much in my journey, and, um, and there's amazing organizations and people doing incredible research with sharks. And, uh, you know, you, get, you do unfortunately get the odd attack every now and then, but it's just we're in their territory, and, and they are naturally predators. Mm-hmm. So you've just got to understand them and respect them, and, and they are essential to our, our ecosystem, and without them, our whole world will fall apart. So, um, yeah, it's just something that's uh, very beautiful and, and very misunderstood. Um, so, yeah, if, if I get to see one, it's a huge privilege. Sarah Ferguson, it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Let us know how you're going with that planning, and then we'll catch up with you before you get into the sea in Derbs again. Great. Thanks so much. Ultra swimmer, Sarah Ferguson, taking a toughest challenge. 1,500 kilometers swimming from Durban down to Cape Town, uh, as you heard, happening a little bit later on. Uh, Just by comparison, shark bites uh, versus other bites in the world. Um, This is going back to 1987, though. Shark injuries in the USA, there were 13 in 1987. 13 shark injuries. Um, Human bites in New York City. This is just in New York City, 1,587, <laughs> right? 802 cat bites, 291 wild rat bites of human, squirrels biting human, 95. Remember, these people go, these are, things have got rabies. 11 raccoon bites, skunk bites, three. There were only 13 shark injuries in the USA. Yeah, Steven Spielberg 
Steven Spielberg has a lot to answer. Okay, you are this AFM. This is uh, Sport Tracks. Let's get some producer time with Ben Zito. I haven't had producer time for a while. Ben Zito, how's it going? 